0: Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. Statistic I read this past week said that 70% of people who graduate from high school in our day leave the church. About a third of those come back after about 10 years. But that tells me that there is something wrong with the American church but it's not just teenagers who are affected by that adults are affected by it as well Uh, we see that uh, marriages are breaking apart we see that uh, people are struggling uh, in their personal lives and and many are have fallen out of church attendance Uh, somebody once said that church attendance is up and down it's up at the mountains and down at the lake and uh, a lot of times that's the case But uh, there seems to be something in the American church that is wrong. Uh, I want you to know spiritual problems are nothing new. Spiritual problems have been around since the day of the New Testament. Uh, But we are in a battle. And as God's people, we need to fight the battle with the weapons that God has given us to fight the battle. So that we can begin to change, see some of these things changed by God's power and dealt with in our lives. And so, uh, in this scripture, Paul is dealing with a problem at the church at Corinth. Who would have thought? Uh, The church at Corinth was a very troubled church. If you read 1 Corinthians, you see that. But in this second letter, apparently some false teachers had come in and were teaching false doctrine to the people at the church at Corinth. Now, they had begun a campaign, a gossip campaign against the Apostle Paul. And they began to talk about him and say, well, you know, when he writes his letters, he's bold, but when he's here in person, he's not that way. He's not bold. He's timid. And uh, he's just being one way when he's gone and another way when he's here. And, and, And by the way, he doesn't really preach all that well anyway. And we just really don't like... Uh, His preaching style. And so they began to talk this up in the church. And they began to talk about how they were of Christ. But implying that Paul was not of Christ. And so what was happening here though was more than just a personality dispute. There was actually an attempt by the evil one to come in and replace the truth of God's word with a substitute that was error. And so Paul says, Look, he says, I don't want to come to you and be bold and direct and blunt, but I will if I have to. He said, I want you to understand the reason that I have not been this way with you is because my Lord is Jesus Christ, and he was gentle and he was meek. And and because he was gentle and because he was loving in the way that he dealt with people, I have sought to be that way as your leader as well. But I want you to understand, if I have to be direct, I will be. And so you find here uh, something maybe that you don't see real often in the New Testament. You find Paul threatening to come and be blunt, but he's also doing something here. He is encouraging them with this letter that he's writing because he doesn't want to come and do that. So he says, listen, I'm encouraging you. And the word for encourage can mean admonish. I'm imploring you. I am calling out to you. Please respond to me as I write this letter so that I won't have to come in the way that I think I might have to come. And then he's also praying. Now, uh, we'll, we'll talk about how the, the word translate. he says, I appeal to you in one place. Most English translation says, but it can also mean, I am praying that. And so Paul, I believe he's praying, God, will you handle this problem before I get there so that I can have a loving, peaceful relationship? I don't want to drive people away from Christ, but I know this problem has to be dealt with. And so, please, God, take care of this situation. Well, then he talks about spiritual weapons. He says, I want you to understand something. I'm not ill-equipped to deal with this issue. I have spiritual weapons. And these spiritual weapons are mighty. And, And matter of fact, these spiritual weapons are so powerful that they can tear down every argument, everything that is in opposition to the will and plan of God, Uh, because they are supernatural weapons. And so he's going to talk with them about some of these supernatural weapons, one of which I believe is the weapon of fasting. And so um, whether it's worship, which is used as a weapon in one place in the Old Testament, uh, whether it is prayer, whether it is God's word, uh, whatever the weapons are, he says, these weapons are mighty to the pulling down. Of these strongholds and so uh, I believe we need to fight the spiritual battle that God has given us to fight with the spiritual weapons that he's given us now the title of my message is winning the spiritual battle winning the spiritual battle look with me at verse 1 of 2nd Corinthians 10 now I Paul make a personal appeal to you by the gentleness and graciousness of Christ I whom humble among you in person, but bold toward you when you're absent. I beg that when I am present, I will not need to be bold with the confidence by which I plan to challenge certain people who think we are behaving in an unspiritual way. For though we live in the body, we do not wage war in an unspiritual way. Since the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds, We demolish arguments in every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God and taking every thought captive to obey Christ. And we are ready to punish any disobedience once your obedience has been confirmed. Winning the spiritual battle. How do we win the spiritual battle? Well, first of all, in verse 1, I think we see that we're to encourage others. He says, I make a personal appeal to you. This Greek word is translated in a number of ways. One of the translations is encourage. One is admonish. One is appeal. One is comfort. But it's got a wide range of meaning. But literally it means to be called alongside somebody to tell them something that is necessary. Or to provide what is necessary. Um, Did you know that you and I as children of God are called alongside each other to minister to each other? Um, I, as a pastor, am called alongside you in a a ministry of preaching and teaching. You are called alongside one another with your spiritual gifts and with your prayers and so forth. But we're called to encourage. He says, I make a personal appeal to you. I'm encouraging you. I'm admonishing you. Listen to what I have to say. Because this could literally be the difference between life and death, uh, spiritually speaking. In the book of Joshua, uh, Joshua says, Hey, how long will you halt between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. He says, I Choose you this day whom you will serve. What is Joshua doing? He's encouraging them to follow the will and the plan of God. Um, throughout scripture, you see that God sent priests, prophets, even King David, who was used by God to proclaim his word, uh, in the New Testament, you see pastors, you see apostles, you you see all of these different groups that are proclaiming the word of God. And the church itself is called to do that. The Bible says, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, uh, and, and encouraging and admonishing. And so, um, the scripture tells us we are to encourage each other. Did you know... Part of the spiritual battle that we are in hinges on whether or not we encourage each other. Think about that for a little bit. What are the implications of that? Well, one is, if you're not here to be encouraged, guess what? You're vulnerable to the enemy. Guess what? If you're not here to encourage someone else, they may be vulnerable to the enemy. See how that works? God wants us to receive the encouragement that we need. Um, If you're a soldier, you're taught in the military to whatever you do, you hold on to that gun in battle. Why? Because it's your lifeline. Listen, hold on to the fellowship of God's people. Nobody is meant to be an island. I hear people say, oh, I can worship on the golf course. Well, you may be able to worship on the golf course, but you cannot do the kind of Christian spiritual fellowship that God intends for you on the golf course. You need to be assembled with the people of God. The small group, Sunday school is a great place to do that. We have three services a week. We have a morning worship service, an evening worship service at 630, a Wednesday night Bible study and prayer time um, that we spend each week, We've got uh, children's church. We've got youth on Wednesday nights. All of these things are different opportunities to have the encouragement of God in your life. Uh, I'm not much of a green thumb person. Uh, Most of the things I've ever tried to to, uh, grow have not done well. But one thing I do know, if a plant does not receive the nutrients it needs, it will die. It will wither. The same thing is true spiritually. We need each other. So what should we do about this? Well, Be in God's house, for one. But secondly, ask the Holy Spirit of God to speak through you when you come to church. Or to encourage through you. Or, or, or you know, sometimes you can, through your service, whatever spiritual gift you may have, through your organization, whatever it may be, you can be a ministry to other people. And be encouraged by them. Uh, Paul one time spoke of a time of great difficulty in his life. And he said, uh, but I heard the news about you. Sometimes telling good news can be an encouragement, right? Hey, listen to what God did in, in my life. Listen about the prayer that God answered. Hear about the request for healing that was answered. Here's how God spoke to me in my devotions this week. These are all ways we could encourage someone else. Sometimes, though, encouragement may cross over from just being a positive encouragement to being a rebuke. Admonish. Paul is is on the borderline of that here. He is encouraging them, but he's also admonishing them. He's saying, look, you're not behaving in the way that God wants you to behave. And I want you to know that uh, I don't want to come and be direct and blunt, but I will if I have to. And so he's admonishing them. Did you know sometimes we need other people to tell us the truth, even when it's uncomfortable? Now, some people say, well, I pride myself on speaking my mind. And what they mean by that is I say whatever I think with no filter, regardless of the hurt it brings. That's not what we're talking about here. The kind of admonishing that Paul's talking about is for our good. And it's done in a, in a spirit of love to help and encourage and build up God's church. It's done to protect us from the, the snares of the evil one that he has set for us. And so um, when you admonish someone, you need to have a, a heart of humility. You need to recognize none of us are perfect. All of us have sinned, and you need to be careful that you yourself are not tempted. Um, the Bible says that when you encourage somebody else, you need to do so in love. Speak the truth in love. So ask God to love that person through you and to speak that word of rebuke with love. Uh, pray about the timing and so forth and whether whether you should do it. So anyway, encourage each other. It's so important. Um Winning our spiritual battle involves speaking God's truth to each other and bringing encouragement to each other. So he says, I appeal to you. I encourage you. But he also says, I beg you. By the way, verse 2, the word you is not in the original language. It is supplied for the sake of clarity in English. But it can be taken either way. I beg you. In other words, he's talking to those who are the recipients of the letter. I'm, I'm begging that you will respond so I don't have to come in this way. But it can also be, it's a word that is very often used for praying. And so, it could be translated, I am praying that I won't have to come to you in this way. I want to tell you something. I have seen this in my own life many times. A problem comes. You take that problem to God in prayer, and maybe it's just beginning, and God solves the problem before you ever, ever need to do anything about it. Some of you could give testimony to that. Um, we had what we called in the military preventative maintenance. We would take pieces of equipment into the shop, and we would give an inspection to see if anything was broken or anything, if fluids needed to be changed. We had a card that recorded when the fluids were Needed to be changed. And uh, we tried to keep these pieces of equipment in good working order. Why? Because when the time came where we needed them, we wanted them to work. And so the same thing is true spiritually speaking. We need to be alert. The Bible says, be alert, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, is going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We need to be alert. To the fact that the enemy wants to destroy what God is doing at our church, in your family, in your personal life. The enemy seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, the scripture tells us. So, how do we defeat him? One of the ways we defeat him is through prayer. So, be alert. Now, I've seen this many times. Um, Sometimes I've seen God change the heart of an individual. I knew that they were going to plan on doing something that I thought was going to cause a problem. So I'd pray for them. And that person, God would change their heart. They would change their mind about what they were going to do. Other times, I've seen God send someone else to talk to that person who was close to them and convince them they didn't need to do that. Um, Sometimes, I've seen God just take away all support for it and stop it in that way. Um, And sometimes God has led me, myself, to go speak to a person about something. Uh, But guess what? I don't know everything that's going on in the church. I try to to understand kind of what's going on and know what's going on so that I can pray. But there's going to be things that you may come across that I don't know about. Guess what? If God has let you know something that's going on in the church... He probably wants you to pray about it. Take that to God in prayer. Take that problem to God in prayer. Maybe God wants you to act about it. Um, Doug Sager, who's my pastor, when I was growing up, uh, said he would have people come to him and say, "Uh, I have a burden to see this ministry started, pastor. I think you need to start this ministry. He he would say, well, if God's given you the burden, that means he wants you to start it. And so... um, Sometimes if God lets you see the problem, God wants you to be a part of the solution. So take that thing to God in prayer. God may even lead you to put certain things on your prayer list to regularly pray for uh, so that God could bring about a change. But Paul says, I I am praying that I may not have to do this. But why? Because I want to build you up. I don't want to come have a big confrontation that causes difficulty. I want to be a positive influence in your life. So encourage others, pray for others, and finally war for others. Does this sound unchristian to you? I thought as Christians we were supposed to be peacemakers. I thought as Christians we were supposed to turn the other cheek. I thought we were supposed to, if one person asks us to go a mile, go two. What's this? This is the spiritual battle that we're called to fight. By the way, warfare is part and parcel of what it means to be a child of God. People don't realize that. People think, well, you know, I come to church to get encouraged and maybe to be helped in my walk with God. But maybe we don't think of it in terms of warfare, but that's exactly what it is. There is an unseen battle going on in heavenly places, there's a battle for your life. There's a battle for your future. There's a battle for your family. You need to understand that. I want you to know the, devil, the Bible teaches that the devil has influence over this world system. The way that the world thinks, he uses culture, he uses leadership, he uses influence in our culture to try to bring about his ideas which are contrary to the truth of God. And the purpose behind these false ideas is to bring destruction. Now, how do you overcome that? Well, one of the ways you overcome that is through the Word of God. um, The fellowship of God's people, which we've already talked about. But another way is through doing spiritual battle. How do you do spiritual battle? Well, one way is through prayer, which we just mentioned. But another way that uh, is often used in Scripture is the weapon of fasting. Uh, Fasting is going without food for a spiritual purpose. And if you're going to do this, you need to make sure, uh, check with your doctor. If you've got a a health condition or something going on, Uh, make sure that you can do it physically and it won't hurt you to do so. But uh, usually it was for one day's time from an evening through a day uh they'd stop at, start at five uh one afternoon and go to five the next afternoon and it was a one-day fast uh for the sake of seeking god and taking that time that you would normally eat to uh be in prayer with the lord and fasting would would uh open up your spiritual attentiveness to god and help you hear him more clearly um it would give you uh fervency uh in prayer and uh and an anointing of the Spirit in prayer uh, that was unusual. I've noticed after I get over an initial symptom of hunger and, you know, the headache sometimes it comes or just the kind of the bad feeling that you get when you go without food initially, once you get past that, I've noticed that there's a special sweetness of intimacy with God uh, in the times where I've fasted. Uh, so fasting helps us get closer to the heart of Of God and helps us pray in accordance with what he desires, uh, opens our ears up to his word so that he can speak to us and to his spirit. Uh, Also, the Bible says the Spirit of God prays for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And I think sometimes the Spirit of God just guides us in our prayers and fasting in a special way so that we can intercede for God's people or for your personal spiritual life or for your family, or for whatever the the issue is in your life. Um, but especially in regards to the church and the scripture that we're talking about today. Uh, so fasting is a very important spiritual weapon. Isaiah 58 talks about fasting, and uh, the people of God were doing fasting, but they were doing it uh, while being uh, unkind and you know hitting and, and uh, oppressing uh, the poor and that kind of thing. And and God said, look, you're not going to fast like that and get any results. But he goes through and he tells him the kind of fast that I want. And then he says, this is what will happen if you fast in the way that I choose for you to fast. You will be called the restorer of places to dwell, um, the restorers of the ancient paths and so forth. And he, he, he speaks of this person who's fasting as restoring what's broken, breaking chains, bringing the people of God back to where they're supposed to be. There is power with the weapon of fasting. Um, I encourage you to do that in your life, to set aside time as God leads you to do that. I had a friend in Texas who would fast. He was a pastor who would fast once a week. I don't do that, uh, but, but he did that. I, I've heard of another pastor who, pastored, who would fast three days a month. Uh, together. Uh, I knew of another pastor who um, would spend uh, sometimes a week or two fasting one meal a day praying for a problem in his church. Uh, It's a powerful weapon and over and over and over and over again prayers have been answered. There's a great uh, spiritual power in the weapon of fasting. If you've got a uh, a wayward child, if you've got uh, a spiritual sin habit that you can't break. Fasting is a great way to deal with it. It's a great spiritual weapon. There's also the weapon of worship. You say, well, how is worship a weapon? In the Old Testament, in one of the battles that they fought, God told the king, put the worshipers in front and let them go sing in front of the army. Isn't that not weird? I mean, Can you imagine, what would you have felt if you were a part of that choir? And you're on the front lines. I mean, the arrows are coming first to you. But that's what God told them to do. And so they go out, they begin to sing and worship and praise God. And the Bible says as they worship, the Spirit of God came down in power. And the opposing army was thrown into confusion and they started killing themselves off. And the Israelites didn't have to do a thing. The battle was won through worship. That's why it's powerful when we come together as God's people. Let me urge you, don't go through the motions in a a service. Don't just sing, oh yeah, I've heard this song before, and just shift shift your brain into neutral. The reason I I, I know about that is I've done that, okay? Uh, I'll be honest with you. There have been times, but but don't do that. Why? Because when you worship God in spirit and in truth, and you say, God, enable me to worship you. I'm struggling. Or, and, and then God begins to worship through you. There is a spiritual power in that that will work in this place, that will work in your life, that will even work in your family. Why is worship so powerful? Well, the Bible says we enter into the gates into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. As you worship, you draw near to God. And when God gets in the middle of your situation, watch out, devil. God's coming through, and you can't stand in the way. It's a very powerful weapon. The Bible calls the Scripture the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let me urge you in your spiritual battles um, to be in the Word of God. To ask God to speak to you. Sometimes you may need to memorize the word of God about a certain issue in your life. So that it's there for you to think about and to quote when the enemy attacks you. It's such an important thing. So war for the sake of others. Can I tell you there's a life and death struggle that's going on. One day a, a man was was uh, asking me, would you please pray for me? I'm being tempted in a certain area of my life, and uh, I did pray for him. And uh, but you know, sometimes we can we we can hear somebody say something, but they tell us the tip, and there's an iceberg underneath, you know, and, and they're t- they're just telling us a little bit. I didn't probably take it as seriously as I should have. Short time later, I found out that basically his life had been turned upside down because of a moral failure in his life. Can I tell you, there's a a spiritual battle going on. We need to war for the sake of each other. I I, I could remember my mom praying when I was a a little boy. I'd walk in early in the morning. She'd get up 5 a.m. to pray. And I, I sometimes would walk in and I would hear her saying, and devil, you, I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. You can't come around my kids. You can't influence my family. You have no place here. I plead the shed blood of Jesus over this house and over my kids and over my husband. And, and she was just telling the devil, this is, this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to fight for my family. I'm going to fight for my church. I'm going to take it to him. You know, I don't believe that we just need to be defensive with the enemy. Sometimes people talk about, we need to be careful because the enemy. And we do need to be careful. But I want to tell you something. God means for us to take it to him. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I'm going to tell you something. As we invite people to this place, as we go out in the community to witness, uh, as we talk to people that we come across in our daily lives, and we tell them about Jesus, there's a spiritual battle. And the Bible says that the gospel is powerful. To bring souls to faith in Jesus Christ. And every time a soul is saved, the devil's territory is taken. That's what God intends. In Romans 8, he says, I'm convinced that neither height nor depth nor things present or things to come nor any other thing, not even the, the angels of heaven, nothing can stand because guess what? Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Respect the fact that the devil can do you harm, but don't fear him. Be bold in in your power in Christ. You can take his territory. War for the sake of others. Winning the spiritual battle. I'm convinced that as we encourage others with that Christian fellowship, as we pray for the Spirit to use us, In that as we pray for others and encourage the Spirit of God, ask the Spirit of God to use us in praying for others. As we war for others, that God will use us and we'll begin to win the spiritual battle and watch out to see what God will do. Um, We're called to fight this spiritual battle in the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it in your own strength. But you can ask God to fill you with the Spirit. You can surrender to Him and trust Him and follow Him in your life so that God does this through you. Can I encourage you this morning, if God has touched your heart, just say, I want to be a part of this spiritual battle. I want to fight this spiritual battle for my church, for my family, for myself. Uh, I want to be a part of this, and I am I'm choosing, God, to surrender myself to your purposes and being an encouragement to other people, uh, to being uh, someone who will pray for the body of Christ and pray for my kids, so to, to be a person who will war when I feel that you're leading me to do so on behalf of my church, my family, my life, for your sake and your glory. If you would do that, I'm going to ask you here in a moment just to come down to this altar And tell that to the Lord. Maybe you're here today. And you don't know Jesus Christ. Can I tell you. uh, The Bible says the thief. It's talking about the enemy. Comes to steal, kill and destroy Satan. But I have come. Jesus said that you might have life. And have it abundantly. Um, There is pleasure in sin for a season. But the end thereof is the way of death. The devil wants to take you down a path. That is going to be hard for you. It's going to end up in brokenness but god wants to give you a new start his forgiveness eternal life and abundant life in his presence as you walk with him and uh, you can have power over the evil one as god's child through the authority that you have in jesus name so i'm going to invite you if you if you don't know christ just to come down here to the front i'll be standing here at the front and give your heart and life to him I'd I'd love to pray a prayer commitment. It involves two things. It involves personal surrender to follow Christ completely. And it involves a trust in him that he will fulfill his promise that he's made um, to save you as you receive him into your life. And so, I'm just going to ask you, uh, here in a moment when we begin to sing, to to come down here and I will lead you through a prayer of commitment if you're ready to make that decision uh, in your heart. Let's pray. Father, Uh, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would have his way in this time. And uh, Lord, that uh, as your people, that we'd be willing to be used by you uh, to pray, to war, uh, to encourage uh, as you lead us, Father, so that we can help each other be all that we can be for Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there's anybody here today that doesn't know Jesus, I ask that you would uh, just convict of sin, Uh, of judgment to come, of